Imagine that you and your two brothers have just walked 15 miles to join the army in battle. You stand in formation, side by side with your brothers, shouting the war cry across the field of your enemy. Finally, the sound of the war cry dies down, and you see a giant figure toward the back of the enemy formation start to move toward the front. The people next to you say, Look how he keeps coming out to insult us. The king is offering a big reward to the man who kills Goliath. That man will even get to marry the king's daughter, and no one in his family will ever have to pay taxes again. You turn to discuss what was just said with your brothers, but both Abinadab and Shama motion behind you and point to somebody approaching you carrying a sack with what appears to be a bunch of supplies inside. As you squint at the man approaching you, you recognize him as your youngest brother, David. You look at your other brothers, all wondering what he is doing in an active war zone. He finally reaches you and explains that your father, Jesse, was worried about the three of you and he had sent loaves of bread and wheels of cheese for your commanding officer. He then begins to explain how he had left the sheep in the care of somebody else. And that's when you hear it. You hear people start to run. And then the familiar voice booms over the camp as it had done daily for the past 40 days. Why are you lining up for battle? I'm the best soldier in our army, and all of you are in Saul's army. Choose your best soldier to come out and fight me. If he can kill me, our people will be your slaves. But if I kill him, your people will be our slaves. Here and now, I challenge Israel's whole army. Choose someone to fight me. David looks at you in disbelief. You had seen that look before, and unfortunately, you knew exactly what it meant. Your youngest brother was about to do something foolish. Welcome to our show, Biblical Storytellers. On our show, we take you to the events, places, and people who are used to tell the story of God. We put you in the shoes of those people as they lived their lives and contributed to the telling of the grand story of Scripture. We will show you how these events affected them, the people around them, and how they point to something and someone greater, and what that means for you today. On today's episode, we will examine the well-known story of David and Goliath. This story has gained international fame amongst Christians and non-Christians alike standing as a symbol for the little guy taking on the favorite, the underdog, standing in defiance of the odds, and yet emerging victorious. But there is a far deeper and more significant theological significance that is rarely mentioned. We will explore this deeper meaning today as we take a closer look at David and his face-off against Goliath. Israel and the Philistines were at war. As a small country, Israel faced constant threat from the surrounding countries that wanted their territory and resources. The Philistines saw Israel as a threat to their way of life and as encroaching on their land, which is a small tract of land along the Mediterranean Sea containing modern-day Gaza. They were known, at the time, for their advanced technology when it came to warfare, such as chariots and weapons made out of iron and bronze. The Philistines had brought their armies together to attack a town in Judah, which is in the southern part of Israel. In response, Israel brought their army to defend the city. 
the two armies met in the Valley of Elah, which is about 20 miles southeast of Jerusalem. Each day, the armies would stand on opposite ends of the valley and shout war cries back and forth, but typically did not engage in direct battle themselves. Instead, each day the Philistines would send out their champion, the one who would engage in one-on-one combat to determine the winner of the overall battle. The champion for the Philistines was Goliath, a man described as standing over nine feet tall. Not only was he physically tall, but he was also the strongest man on the battlefield. His helmet was made of bronze, and his chest plate alone weighed over 125 pounds. The spear that he carried was also made out of solid bronze, and the spearhead alone weighed 15 pounds. Every morning, for 40 days, he would walk to the front of the battle lines and challenge the Israeli army to come and fight him, daring them to send out a champion of their own to face him. The winner would ultimately decide the victor of the battle, but because of his size and strength, nobody dared take him up on the challenge. However, that all changed when David arrived on the battlefield. David's oldest three brothers had joined King Saul at the battle to fight for Israel. However, David had stayed back to help his father with the sheep. So Jesse decided to send some supplies to his sons and instructed David to bring food to his siblings and cheese to the commanding officer. While he was there, he heard Goliath's challenge and decided that he was going to do something about it. You look around after hearing the giant's threat again. You see people cowering in fear and some even running away. That's when you hear your youngest brother's incredulous voice say, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and stopping him from insulting our people? Who does that worthless Philistine think he is? He's making fun of the army of the living God. You watch as a few soldiers next to him explain that the one who defeats Goliath will have the right to marry the king's daughter and his family will be exempt from paying taxes for the rest of his life. David keeps talking with the other soldiers until finally you can't take it anymore and you grab him, spinning him around to face you. What are you doing here anyway? Who's taking care of your little flock of sheep out in the desert? You spoiled brat. You just came here to watch the fighting, didn't you? Now what have I done? David answers. Can't I even ask a question? David was incredulous that someone dared to mock the army of Israel, the army of God's chosen people. He was so upset that he started asking around, wondering why no one was doing anything about it. And even though his brothers were starting to get annoyed at his persistence, Enough people noticed that somebody decided that it was worth telling the king. So they sent for Saul, who quickly came to the front of the battle lines to talk to David. And as Saul approached David, David quickly started to explain, the Philistines had no business turning the entire army into cowards. He pleaded with Saul to let him go out and fight Goliath all by himself. Saul quickly dismissed the idea that David could fight Goliath, stating that the giant had been a soldier for his entire life while David was still only a boy. However, David did not accept this reasoning and told the king that he had been taking care of his father's sheep for years. Part of this job was to protect the flock from any wild animals that would attack them. He shared that when a lion or a bear would attack, he would beat it until it released the sheep. And if the animal then turned its attention towards him, he would grab it by the throat and kill it. Despite these physical accomplishments, 
He acknowledged that his victories were ultimately because the Lord had rescued him from those situations. David expressed his confidence that the Lord would keep him safe in this situation as well. It is unclear how Saul felt about these arguments, or whether or not he bought them. What we do know, though, is that he ultimately relented and decided to let David face the giant. He did have some stipulations, though. He wanted David to wear his own body armor and gave him a bronze helmet to go along with it. David tried to walk around wearing the heavy armor and the giant sword, but he could not move effectively. He took it all off and picked up his staff and walked to a nearby stream. Next to the stream, he knelt down and picked out five smooth stones, put them in his bag, and then grabbed his sling before walking onto the battlefield. Imagine that you were the king of Israel, and a small boy had just come and said that he wanted to fight the giant. You stand and watch him, waddling around in your armor, but it becomes clear that it is too large and too heavy for him to handle. You put your helmet on him, hand him a shield and a sword, all of which look far too big. You consider calling the whole thing off, but you hear David say that he does not need this armor, that the Lord will protect him. You watch in disbelief as he walks over to a nearby stream, kneels down, and takes several small stones, putting them in his pouch. He then walks confidently to the front of the line without hesitation. At first, it doesn't seem like Goliath sees him approaching through the crowd, which is understandable given David's size. But as David strides into the field, the giant notices him and makes his way onto the battlefield himself along with the person that was assigned to carry his shield. He draws closer to David and calls out, Do you think that I am a dog? Is that why you've come after me with a stick? You find it curious that the man who confronted David only mentioned the staff that he was carrying, and not the sling. It's possible that he hasn't seen the sling yet, or that he might believe the fight would be in close quarters since he had brought a spear and a sword. Your attention is drawn back to the confrontation when Goliath yells, Come on! When I'm finished with you, I'll feed you to the birds and the wild animals. David responds boldly, Today, the Lord will help me defeat you. I'll knock you down and cut off your head. I'll feed the bodies of the other Philistine soldiers to the birds and the wild animals. And then the whole world will know that Israel has a real God. Everybody here will see that the Lord doesn't need swords or spears to save people. The Lord always wins his battles, and he will help us defeat you. You are still trying to process David's words, amazed and inspired by his courage, when suddenly you see Goliath start sprinting towards him. But David is equally quick, pulling out a rock from his bag and slipping it into the sling, spinning it around and around his head. All of a sudden, everything seems to happen in slow motion. David releases one end of the sling and the smooth rock goes flying through the air. As it soars through the air, you can almost count the rotations as it heads towards Goliath's head and then strikes him in the middle of the forehead with a large crack. He stumbles for a step and then falls face down. The men standing around you are in stunned silence. The Philistine army also seems to be too stunned to move. No one expected the giant to be killed without a sword fight, and yet, there he lay. The only one who doesn't seem to be stunned is David, 
who runs to Goliath, pulls out his sword, and cuts off his head. Finally, the realization of what happened sets in, and the Philistine army turns to run. You immediately give the command to chase, and the army takes off after them. It wasn't the way that you expected this battle to go, but because of this small shepherd, Israel had just won the battle. After Goliath's death, the Philistine army ran away in terror. The soldiers of Israel and Judah gave chase, pursuing them back to Philistine land. When the soldiers returned to the Valley of Elah, they took what they could and what they wanted from the abandoned Philistine camp. David himself took Goliath's head back to Jerusalem and kept his weapons as his own, and he was promoted in Saul's palace. The battle between David and Goliath provided a key victory for Judah and Israel. But it also showed the character of David, a young man who had supreme confidence in the Lord and his ability to provide protection and safety. Today, almost everyone knows the basics of David versus Goliath, and it has become part of our popular culture, representing the little guy versus overwhelming odds. However, there is a far deeper theological meaning to this story. In a speech given at the Gospel Coalition Theological Conference, Dr. Timothy Keller noted that the Bible is not really about us, but about Jesus Christ. The story of David and Goliath is not to encourage us to face the giants of our lives with God on our side, but rather to point towards Jesus, whose victory became the victory of his people, even though the people did not lift a stone to accomplish it themselves. In the same way that David beating Goliath became a victory for the people of Israel, Jesus defeating death and sin on the cross and rising three days later, became our victory as well. This is the true meaning of David versus Goliath, to point us forward to Jesus on the cross and the salvation that is offered to us as a result of his death and resurrection. David, in this story, is an archetype for Christ. But David's story isn't over. In fact, it's just beginning. Next time, we will look at a friendship that is closer than blood in a fracturing of a relationship. Thank you for listening to our episode today. I hope that you enjoyed it and maybe even learned something new. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting the show by becoming a subscriber on Patreon by going to www.patreon.com backslash biblical storytellers. Your support will help continue to create engaging content and bring on new guests in the future. Another great way to support the show is by leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback is important and helps us to reach a much wider audience. If you want to connect further, you can find me on Twitter at AC underscore McKinley. I love hearing from listeners and would be delighted to chat with you further. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to bringing you more great content in the future.